Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Matt, we've got a special day here today. Because this is our Valentine's Day episode. This is for the ladies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Finest Work Songs. When I think Valentine's Day... Angsty white guys. (laughs) Yeah, this is the one time of year that like awkward white dudes pull up Barry White. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is our special Valentine's Day episode. I don't want you to be alarmed, but uh, we're not alone. (laughs) That was an anticlimactic ghost. (laughs) Yes, today we're joined by a special friend. When I think love, I think of this guy. Welcome to the studio audience, J.M. Hure. Thank you, boys. I'm really a little confused because I thought that for a while that this show was called Finest Twerk Song. <laughs> and I don't know if that's you just knew I was thinking that, but the Valentine's Day episode <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Minaj and uh, Cyrus this week to prepare. Billy Ray? Yeah, mostly Billy, but some of Miley, Miley. as well. Yeah. I guess if you're talking twerk songs, Miley's the queen. Yeah. Queen of twerk. But she got it from somewhere. Jam is a good friend and one of the best drummers that I know. Also, Jam is a gracious loser <laughs> to be here on the podcast <laughs> because his vote for last year's end of season one, what, what do we call it? Listener's that? Choice. Listener's Choice Epipod almost made it. Yep. Jam, what were you responsible for? electing in last year's listener's choice i really wanted to hear a review of the classic human clay by creed <laughs> i genuinely liked that at the time when it came out uh-huh. i would have loved to hear you guys just kind of laugh your way through some of that <laughs> we would have liked to have done that too the people had another idea they wanted us to run the jewels man hopefully that'll come back up you never know yeah if it's classic it'll make it <laughs> This is our Valentine's Day episode. Before we get to this love album, mm-hmm. Matt, you got any uh, you got any plans for Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day, it was like a holiday I hated, like as a kid and as a teenager, mainly because I was like you know alone. Um, <laughs> and then fortunately, like my wife, she had the same sort of feeling about it, like oh, it's just kind of overrated and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we typically don't go overboard with Valentine's Day. We'll you know do some cards and flowers and. Try and get the kids to bed and watch a movie or something, but it's okay. pretty pretty low key for Valentine's Day on. Okay, on respectable. Yep, yep. Yeah, but nothing Trying. big. Did your band hypertext transfer protocol or whatever? <laughs> the, that we didn't did, score you any yeah, points. I mean, we, we we would do. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pull that album out and you know, Love Slave. I think mm. was the Valentine's hit we had on that album. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was good. Uh, yep, yeah. Jam could speak the uh, the language. So, listeners, if you just decided to jump in on the Valentine's Day episode, uh, first of all, thing, we're sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we had advance. This will not score you any points. What are you gonna do for Valentine's Day? Well, I thought we'd drive around and listen to this podcast. <laughs> but one thing that we end up talking about a lot is Matt's high school bands, mm-hmm. and they tend to have some uh, technical names to them. <laughs> Like troubleshooter, troubleshooter. Yeah. technical difficulties, <laughs> and then JM found one. What was it called? Hypertext transfer <laughs> protocol. <laughs> you guys are ahead of your time too. <laughs> we were. That's what HTTP stands for. I actually did that? not know that, so uh, they weren't ahead of their time. But also, I'm way behind my time. <laughs> <laughs> JM, you got any uh, Valentine's Day plans? You got to score some hot reservation seats to a melting pot. <laughs> No, I usually uh, I usually get stuff from my wife and daughters, just small gifts, flowers and stuff at home. But we don't yeah. we don't make a big deal 
out of like an event at night typically what do you think the hottest restaurant in raleigh is for valentine's day i mean i gotta think the top two are gonna be angus barn yeah and then melting pot might be it i'm telling you how hard do you think it is to get reservations for melting pot i bet that's a big deal on valentine's day i've never tried i don't think i've ever been there actually gosh people love that cheese they love dipping things Yeah, I've never understood how it was as successful as it is. I did hear from someone that they ordered a beer cheese dip, mm-hmm. and they didn't mix the beer ahead of time. They brought out a 22 of Milwaukee's Best <laughs> to hand to them to Are pour in themselves. Yeah. It's even lazier than I thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't even hide the fact that they're using the beast. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, it is the best beer from Milwaukee, so it, <laughs> it, they weren't good point. sparing on quality. Yeah. But what do they do? They pour that beer into cheese. That's and then that, you, that's my understanding. They just drink it. You just swirl it around and <laughs> <laughs> melting pot. How do you still exist? Should we get our sponsor, Melting Pot? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to dip it. Bring it on down to Melted Pot. Have you guys thought about pretending that you have a sponsor when you don't? I have bounced that around mainly probably to myself. But no. yeah. <laughs> Melting Pot might be a good one. Yeah, yeah. that could be a good one. Yeah. I can maybe hook you up with Kirkland Signature if you want. I've got some connections over there. Yeah. So JM on social media, I started to notice a pattern. Okay. At first I thought he went to Costco and took a picture of it. But then I started noticing that he's quite the fan of the Kirkland signature products. Why don't you tell Mm. us about that? Yeah, I mean, they just make quality products. They're affordable in large quantities. Even if you didn't want them to be, you can get way more than somebody should have. And I've just found that they they fill a gap in my life Mm -hmm. in the way that I was looking for it to be filled. Mm -hmm. And we just like the Kirkland products, especially. I think I'd noticed one day that we had dozens of things from from Costco that were specifically Kirkland. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why we had so many but you know everything from batteries and medicine to beef full spectrum so from batteries to beef yeah kirkland products <laughs> that's right i mean we are a kirkland house that's ourselves right. what's your favorite what is their piece of day resistance <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know if i said that right. <laughs> so one i well I'll start with one I didn't like, which is the Kirkland Light beer is very bad as soon as it's not really cold. They might as well use that at Melting Pot. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, I had to buy 48 of them. That's the smallest oh, amount you could get. I struggled through that for months. Couldn't give it away. I don't know what the best is. They've got these granola bars I really oh, like. Those things are the best. Competitor to like the Chewy brand mm-hmm. granola. I like yeah, those a lot. Those are really mm-hmm. good. I think when we talk about this album, it's going to be Jam's love letter to Kirkland. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump in. Jam, what is the album that we are reviewing here today? Today, we're going to be talking about Give Up by The Postal Service. story with the name, I believe, is because they had to ship certain things that they were, like recordings or certain things that they were doing to put this music together mm-hmm. frequently back and forth via the Postal Service. And yep. so they just called it that. Interestingly enough, they didn't actually use the OSPS, but to catch your name, then UPS. <laughs> yeah. FedEx. Yeah. 
We're FedEx. DHL is a <laughs> deep cut. Yeah, it consists of singer Ben Gibbard, who is known for his work with Death Cab for Cutie. The band had put out a few records. Ben Gibbard and this guy, Jimmy Tamborello, who was involved in electronic music, ended up coming together and collaborating on a track through Jimmy's roommate, and Ben happened to be in town. And then they enjoyed that so much that they talked about, well, hey, what if we do this kind of thing, you know, as a, as a full album? And Sub Pop was excited and got behind it. And so they recorded it, I think, over about 10 months, during which time, reportedly, I don't think there was any interaction between them in person or maybe very limited but Mm -hmm. a lot of it like james said was they would send tracks back and forth and i've never known i didn't know if jimmy sent all of the tracks and then ben just sang over it but it sounds like ben was able to take pieces and you know duplicate them or double them Mm -hmm. and add instruments and who knows but it ended up with a very kind of clever combination of these two musicians and their and their gifts and a clever story behind it which is i think why people were excited wow they did this through the mail Mm -hmm. which is really wild to think that this is 17 ish years old Mm -hmm. only that long ago it was not viable to do this online as you would now Mm -hmm. oh yeah now they'd be called dropbox yeah (laughs) It was it was very novel at the time, but also it. I feel like they did this album right before that became a possibility. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of years before you were yeah. able to share yeah, things online. What if they had recorded this band in the seventies, or uh, no? What if what if they had recorded this band like in you know pre Civil War era? What would it be called? Pony Express. <laughs> and it would have taken forty years <laughs> to record. Worth it, though. All, <laughs> yeah, but also, I guess they didn't have recording capabilities. Or electronic music. No. They would just send a banjo back and forth <laughs> with some notes scribbled on it. <laughs> what was before the Pony Express? Roman uh, marathon runners. <laughs> they would, who then died yeah. after they delivered the message. That was, that was immediately before, like in the 1820s, <laughs> yeah, right. that was still happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we didn't really advance much. No. So one thing we like to do on Finest Work Songs is talk about how we have engaged with an album, what our memory is of it. Jam, for you, 2003, 2004, what is your memory of the Postal Service? I was in college, early college. I finished high school in 2002, college student at Virginia Tech. And I remember I was not on top of the music scene very much. Mm-hmm. I've bought something like eight albums. That might even be a high estimate in my entire life. Your whole life. My eight whole albums. life. Yep. I think the first thing I ever bought, I was um, 16. Mm-hmm. It was the Matrix soundtrack. Nice. And I've got, you know, several others that I would be maybe embarrassed to share. So I know we've got the Matrix soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Postal Service. Yep. Creed. I didn't actually oh. buy that one. No, no, my sister had that, so I didn't have to pay for oh, nice. it. Yeah. So you're an accomplished musician and obviously a fan of music in and of itself. You just want to make it. You don't want to listen to it. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I was, uh, before getting where I am now in playing drums, I was pretty invested in playing classical music mm-hmm. through school band and stuff okay. in, in middle school and high school. Because of that, I I did only listen to classical music for a long time. Oh, wow. Partly because I just didn't know what I was missing, but mm-hmm. also partly I was serious enough about it mm-hmm. that I wanted to consider how would, that would play out in the rest of my life. So yeah. I was like maybe considering going to college for it or something like that. But all that said, I would have friends who were trying to start a rock band or a mm-hmm. garage band or whatever. 
and they knew I played drums. They would invite me to play, and they would say, oh, yeah, we're going to play these songs by these people. And I was like, uh, I don't know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah. or what your song is. They're like, come on. No, you, you've heard it on the radio. I was like, I don't know how to say this more seriously. I do not know who you're talking about. I really am <laughs> genuinely saying that. And it would be stuff like Dave Matthews Band. Like yeah. I, I would knew I knew who they were, but I didn't know any of their songs. Mm-hmm. Or I think I remember a Goo Goo Dolls cover we, we did yeah. at some point, and I didn't know the song or the people. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the world I was in. And then in college, I did hear this album, and I was in the I was just in the car with somebody, and I was very intrigued. It, you know, we were just silent all four of us or so in the mm-hmm. car we were just kind of sitting there silent listening to this it had captivated all of us right out of the gate here district sleeps alone tonight the the tones mm-hmm. and then how that moves into some like for me some really interesting percussive rhythms mm-hmm. i thought that was really fascinating to hear that the first time so to, to move this forward a little bit I, I didn't buy it right away i knew of it and i knew some people who also liked it one of the interesting parallels that, you know, in listening to you guys and your uh, review of Green Day's Dookie, mm-hmm. there was a similar effect between this album and that one on me, which was, so when I was in about fifth grade, Dookie, it may have been out before that, but that was when it was enough of a thing that people in class were trying to listen to it and tell people about it. Yeah, You could have immediate street cred mm-hmm. in fifth grade if you <laughs> had that album. <laughs> And it bothered me that I didn't, and I never bought it, Yeah. but I just saw that for what it was. Is like, I could literally just pay $10 or whatever for this CD and have immediate social access. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, I don't know, that was my first time kind of seeing that that was ever going to be a thing. You understand what Matt and I have been chasing all our lives. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You guys have invested thousands of dollars oh yeah. just to be cool. Yeah, and I mean, lying. it no, worked. Yeah. It worked in droves. Yeah. You guys are really yeah. cool. Yeah. But that album, Give Up, was able to get me access if I wanted to. And so because of that, and because of my experience with Dookie, yep. I was keeping that at arm's length. I didn't want that to be why I liked it or, oh, right. or why I was, you know, you know, interested in listening to it or anything. Yeah. So it took several years before I was willing to say, yes, I just like it enough to have it. Yeah. And I don't care if it's whatever, you know, associated right. to right. whoever else. But I respect that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's good. What about you, Matt? What's your, what's your memory of uh, the Postal Service? It's fitting that we're talking about this album around Valentine's Day because love was not easy for me to find because I grew up extremely wealthy. When you're as wealthy as I am, it's difficult to find love, both because you don't know if someone just loves you for your money, Mm -hmm. but also your love is the money and it's the business that got you there. And so I grew up pretty lonely and I would work all day. And at the end of the day, I found that my soul was lacking and my heart was lacking something. And so naturally I went to the one place where I could fill that hole in my heart. I went to uh, online chat rooms Hmm. and uh, I found this one woman. Well, she said she was a woman. I didn't know. Um, But we really connected and found that we both loved New York, but also found that we both shared the same annoyances And so, I mean, really, that's what you want at the end of the day is just somebody who gets annoyed by the same things that you do, right? So we'd write back and forth and talk about things we were annoyed by. We arranged to meet, but when I got to the restaurant, I saw that this woman who I'd been chatting with online was a business nemesis. Mm -hmm. Well, I was to her, 
we were the big store coming in Mm -hmm. and she was the local store that we were destroying with our Kirkland like approach and pricing. I mean, what's she going to do? Right. I didn't reveal myself as her chat buddy. Instead, I went in and she got really annoyed to see me there because she knew who I was, but I didn't know what to do. Having really connected with this woman, but also knowing that she'll never love me because of what I stood for and the fact that I was basically destroying all of her dreams and her heritage and all that she had poured her life into. I figured that true love will abound and win. So after her shop was obliterated by our convenience and low prices and coffee bar, we were able to forge a relationship and at the end of the day, true love won out. Mm. I think she was trying to be an author or something, but she was rubbish. Um, she shared one of her books with me. And uh, in response, I gave her this album, both to tell her I loved her, but also as a message, because uh, the album's called Give Up. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Specifically on her dreams of being an author. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Or owning an independent bookstore or yeah. having integrity. Yeah. Mm. That's, heart- that's heartwarming. Man, what a love story. My wife's going to be so mad at me for trashing that movie. (laughs) My real memory. At the time, I was living with uh, a couple guys who were roommates in a house. And this album came out in February of 2003. And it really kind of shot its way through friend groups. And everyone was talking about this album. It was a a big deal. It was very impactful. Similar to you, Jam, you know, like where you heard it and you thought, wow, what is this? And and they came to Carborough in April. So we got tickets. We're really excited. It sold out quick. It's a, it's a small venue that has since closed. But we got there and got upstairs. There's kind of this loft area and, you know, right up on the rail. So we're pretty excited about this. And there was an opening band. Well, there was an opener that was a rapper named Sex. <laughs> Not Lil Sex? <laughs> nope, just Sex. It was C-E-X. So I don't know if he knew that there was a connection to... Oh, uh, yeah. That's an easy mistake to yeah, make. Yeah, <laughs> I think. The guy was actually pretty good. It was just kind of with a laptop and he's rapping. And, you know, it's kind of fitting. We're going to see this electronic show. So you're starting mm-hmm. with a, sort of a laptop band. But then one thing I noticed as I'm standing up there is I thought, man, the sound in this club is amazing because I feel like I can hear percussion all around me. And I look to my left and there's a dude standing there with an egg shaker. <laughs> and he's playing it. Along with sex. And so he's just sitting there just shaking this egg, you know, and I'm looking at him and then I'm looking all around me because I'm thinking, are we okay with this? (laughs) Are we all in agreement that this is socially acceptable behavior? But basically people are just ignoring him. You know, it's like someone making a ruckus on the street or the subway and you just decide, oh, we're just going to ignore this, you know? So it wasn't part of the band. No. Uh, Oh, man, that's weird. Anyway, sex was great. Um I'm really not trying to do that. But he he heard the shaker guy. Yeah. And at one point, he just said into the mic, he's like, did you get that thing today? Because <laughs> the guy was not good either. So anyway, Postal Service comes out. They were incredible. It was a fantastic show. And they had Jimmy on one side with his laptop. And then in the middle, it was Ben Gibbard. And then Jenny Lewis mm-hmm. from Rilo Kylie sings on the album. She's also a solo artist now. Basically... They just split all the instruments between themselves. And she's a phenomenal guitarist. At one point, he goes over and he jumps on the drum kit and starts singing and playing at the same time. Wow. But you've got the shaker guy. Still, he's still there? Still oh, he's playing. still going. Yeah. Oh. He's still going. He's living for this moment. At one point, it's towards the end of the show, and he's just like, hey, let's get that shaker guy up on, on stage or whatever. And so people start cheering, which I'm like, stop encouraging this. <laughs> 
So I look over at the shaker guy near me and he's so excited that he's like hopping. But then I look down and on the floor, because we were up on the second level, mm-hmm. on the floor down there, there's another shaker guy that's going up on stage. <laughs> and, and I look over at, at our shaker guy, you know, and his face just Crestfallen. drops. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He thought he was the only one and he thought his moment had come. Wow. All right, well, let's jump in. They open up the album with The District Sleeps Alone Tonight. love that first one um it catches you off guard i think that the difference between the way it starts and then when it kind of drops into that four down feel really shows a breadth that they have as musicians to Mm -hmm. like go between both of those and anywhere else you know along the way something that i I feel like i want to clarify those like i don't know what they're saying in Mm -hmm. almost any of these songs (laughs) right i don't tend to listen to lyrics i like the voice being there as an instrument in and of itself but Mm -hmm. i don't know what the words are usually i know that they say uh dc sleeps alone tonight yeah leading into that i i, I don't know if they're referring to washington dc or right. what that's supposed to mean dc comics yeah Derek <laughs> coleman former nba yeah. baseball player yep, yep. <laughs> could be any of the big three dc references right. there <laughs> oh, yeah. and, that's it. but anyway the, you know I think it's a really good opener to the album. Mm-hmm. It eases in, and then it shows you, okay, now this is where we're going to go for a little while. Yeah, I love it. I think it's such a cool song. This album, being as impactful as it is, completely 
pass me by. Like I, I, I didn't even know this album existed until we were talking about doing this. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was spending time with the songs. But then as I was going on YouTube, for instance, and, and look at, watching the videos and reading about it, what jumped out at me, the comments that people were making about mm-hmm. how important this album was to them yeah. at that time and still is. And, you know, a lot, a lot of things like, oh, you know, my dad would play this album with us and, and it's just, it meant so much to me. And, and uh, it's, it's still one of the greatest albums of, of all time. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I start hearing that kind that level of criticism of, of you know, positive criticism, I think, okay, so this has to be a complete package of an album, right? You know, for something to have that, to be that meaningful, there's got to be something to the lyrics and mm-hmm. the content mm-hmm. on the song. So that's when I started diving into the lyrical content and the story that's being sort of told throughout you know, the album. Um, so for me, it was music first, then really getting into the lyrics for this one. Admittedly, I'm not a big Ben Gibbard fan. Like I, mm-hmm. his voice just doesn't do much for me. I feel like I should like Death Cab for Cutie more than I Based do. Based on what you listen to. Right. Yeah. To me, his voice has always come across as like a 13 year old boy. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has some sort of growth disease when he is 13. <laughs> He's Webster. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does have a babyish face. Yeah, he does. Uh, I had never seen Ben Gibbard before preparing for this. I had, I had no idea what he looked like. Yeah. And if you had just a stack of headshots to look through, I would have picked him out. Yeah. I guarantee it. Right. He right. looks like his name is Ben Gibbard. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure his head is perfectly round. Yeah. It's got to be. <laughs> Which I have a big round head too, so it's not like I'm throwing shade at Ben Gibbard. Ben, if you're listening, I'm in the big head club with you. <laughs> game recognized game. <laughs> so this album, I wasn't kidding when I said this is a very romantic relational mm-hmm. album. And this first song opens it up. His girlfriend had moved to DC. He is writing about visiting her in dc in a very sad sack way he says i'll wear my badge a vinyl sticker with big block letters adherent to my chest that tells your new friends i'm a visitor here i'm not permanent so basically he's going to visit her feels out of place Mm -hmm. she has a new life he's going to her workplace and he's got this name badge on it feels like a loser very melodramatic the only thing keeping me dry is where i am like it's raining outside and i would be homeless out there if it weren't for you Mm -hmm. knowing you here you know (laughs) Right. You know, he says, you seem so out of context in this gaudy apartment complex. He's so mopey. You yeah. know, she's like, hey, do you like my new place? He's like, yeah, you just seem really out of context here. I always think of you back in Seattle in my arms, you know. <laughs> in our dumpy little house that we rented. Right. Still raining, though, but probably. Yeah. <laughs> Better rain there. <laughs> right. Even before I knew it was about that, everything he sings about in this album really captures an emotion of relationships. Mm -hmm. So even knowing that before it said, I'm finally seeing why I was the one worth leaving. Almost like relational statements that even Mm -hmm. if you don't know the whole story, you can grasp onto to capture an emotion that you have about someone that you used to be with or that you want to be with or that you're with and you don't know how to tell them that they seem out of context. (laughs) (laughs) I've never connected it that way. And I, I can see why that would have a level of depth to your point, Matt, that would reach people beyond just the music being good why it would stand the test of time as it has i was hanging out with some friends last night they were in high school during this time and so i was like hey we're doing this album you know and they both were like oh yes yeah Mm -hmm. i said was that album important to y'all as well and they're like every mixtape every breakup you know this Mm -hmm. is kind of the soundtrack for a few years i was in my mid-20s and it had the level of depth and connection among my friends Mm -hmm. jm you were in college 
and you're talking about the importance of it there. So it's kind of like whatever stage you were in, uh, this album really hit a nerve. I was uh, apparently living under a rock, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't the soundtrack to Benson Mule Days? 2003, I was I was here. You still went to Benson Mule Days, I though, did didn't not. <laughs> How dare you, sir? You can take the man out of Benson, <laughs> but right. you can't take the, can't mule, take the mule out, out of the man. man. Yeah. I don't know. song yeah definitely that doesn't surprise me it's so darn catchy and ending one verse moving into the next i mean i think that's that's really clever and really well done how he kind of sings over himself mm-hmm. yeah which yeah. i don't know how he does that live i guess i saw him do it maybe he just kind of stumbled along but yeah <laughs> never breathed they hooked him up to some sort of oxygen machine where he could just sing continually like a kenny g kind of yes uh, that continuous breathing that's thing continuous breathing. Yeah. kenny gross i believe <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're a little more formal here on Finest Work Songs. Refer to him by his full name. name. Kenneth Gross. (laughs) This song was uh, almost ubiquitous at the time. It was on so many commercials. Yeah. And it made its way into all sorts of videos online. I mean, it was... It was incredible how like spread out this was, and mm-hmm. um, you likely would have heard it, or at least the the intro part was, I think, really key. It kind of has this building nature to it that is very appealing to put in place for you know, I don't know various promotional things. Even mm-hmm. I would have probably felt like this was a one hit wonder band that only did this song, mm-hmm. and that's all they were known for. Had I not known better at the time. Um, it just kind of had that air of it, like this is so overpopular that the band could have probably just rested on its laurels mm-hmm. and only done this. One thing that impresses me about Jimmy Tamborello, I was watching a video where he was had some of the old equipment and he was showing how he made some of the sounds. You know, so he said, "Here's this initial organ sound," and he played this terrible sounding, really gross sounding organ, and and he's like, "This is the one I manipulated to make the bass sound for." such great heights and then he played what he played and i'm thinking how did you do that so it wasn't even just he had really expensive pads that he chose from he was manipulating sounds to make them extremely organic sounding and more appealing yeah that gave me more respect for him than just he's a good programmer of of beats he's kind of crafting the the sounds themselves in addition Mm -hmm. to that and that's pretty cool and that's one of the one of the things is they've got this kind of throwback sound 
where they sound both futuristic, but also it has an analog feel to it. Mm-hmm. The synth sounds are very analog as opposed to some of the sounds of that time that felt very thin or overly electronic. Also, my wife and I, this was our first dance at our wedding. Hmm. Really? Because there's a version. Oh, is this the Iron and Wine? Uh-huh. I think it's a sign that the freckles in our eyes are mirror images. And when we kiss, they're perfectly aligned. And I... Yeah, my wife has red hair and beautiful freckles, so... That freckles line is kind of what first drew me when I heard the iron and wine version that we decided to, you know, to dance to this. So it was wonderfully romantic. And apparently it, it had been in the movie Garden State, but we hadn't seen that yet. Mm. So people were like, oh, yeah, yeah. You watch Garden State? <laughs> no, leave my wedding. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> they were confronting you about your song choice at your wedding. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. While we're dancing. While you're dancing. Gosh, that was incredibly nice awkward. Garden State reference. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan of Natalie Portman's work in other films? <laughs> What'd you think of The Phantom Menace? <laughs> Matt, I know you love Star Wars. Where does The Phantom Menace rank? Can we have cake? <laughs> uh, all right, just shut the song off. But that shows like just the musicality and, and how well-crafted that song is, if it can be converted like Iron and Wine style. And yeah. it still works really, really well. But yeah, you're right, though. I mean, even as much as we could sit here and talk about the intricate rhythms and the melodies and the tones of everything, at the end of the day, it works just as a song with a guitar, mm-hmm. which is to Ben Gibbard's credit. All right, next is uh, Sleeping In. uncomfortable because it's so catchy and i'm moving and i'm in such a good mood and then all of a sudden we're talking about who shot jenna kennedy (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess uh this might be one of the few that i have some guess or better understanding of what they're talking about but Mm -hmm. it's not maybe not even really what it is but the story is that he had a dream the world was better things were simpler but that's not how things really are so he'd rather just sleep Mm -hmm. and he's using the JFK assassination as a way to simplify something that's otherwise quite complex. I like, though, that it wasn't that no one shot John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Oh, no, that's fine. I want to live in that world. I just don't want to live in the world where there's mystery surrounding who did it. (laughs) As long as I know who did it, I'm good. I love the fact that 
this is our like Valentine's episode and we're talking about a song yeah. about JFK's assassination. That's right. Nothing says love like the third gunman on the grass, you know, no second, second gunman. Well, it depends on who you talk to, yeah, right? right? In his dream, it, it wasn't a mystery though. It was just, right. they knew who it was. That's true. It sounds really nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's, it's the know. fear of the unknown is what keeps people up at night. That's right. That's right. One of the few criticisms I end up having as I listen through this one continuously is it gets repetitive yes. towards the end. He goes over that chorus to wake me up, plan on sleeping. Mm-hmm. That gets said a lot. Yeah. It's not like it's unenjoyable, but it does to me go maybe a little longer than yeah. I want it to every time I hear it. There's so much interesting stuff going on with this album. And to me, this felt like the laziest part of the album it was like, well, oh, crap, I can't think of anything else. So we're just going to keep singing that over and over. Mm-hmm. It got a little monotonous. Next song we're going to cover is talking about relationships. This one's nothing better. this one yeah yeah he wants her back and she's not interested which is kind of it's funny to hear her retorts to everything he's like mm-hmm. you know when she says i need to interject and then kind of rebuts all his efforts i think yeah. that i think that's pretty funny actually it's kind of i don't know it's not like mocking it but it it's just a, it's a yeah. funny way to do that i've made charts and graphs yeah i mean yep venn diagrams here's, I, here's where we were good yep here's where we weren't so good yeah before you romanticize and idealize all of our relationship let me bring some reality let me bring some logic into this logic. i remember the first time listening to this song hearing his first verse and thinking oh wow 
this guy's really hurting. And this is, you did him dirty. This is deep. Wow. You know, and all he wants is there could be nothing better than making you my bride slowly growing all together. And then her voice, it shocked me the first time that I thought, Whoa, what's, what's going on? She's talking. Mm -hmm. She gets the mic. Mm -hmm. And it's so cleverly written. It is over the top with his lyrics. I mean, the beginning just makes me laugh each time. Can you imagine running into this guy on the street? (sighs) Could someone please call a surgeon? (laughs) Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, I need a surgeon who can crack my ribs and repair this broken heart. <laughs> it's so poetic. <laughs> Blocking the door like a goalie. So I had I have one beef with that, and I don't know if this was intentional. Mm-hmm. That's one of the few lyrics that I've picked out and thought, like, that seems weird to me. Mm-hmm. And that is, he says, in the third quarter. Right. What goalie... <laughs> Like, is he talking about hockey? Hockey is just Because it would be third period, but yeah. that wouldn't necessarily yeah. fit. And if it wasn't hockey, it would be something with four quarters. Yeah. And you're not as intense in the third, third quarter as yeah. you would be in the fourth. So why right. not fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah. And then third like, quarter doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, that's like 75%. Soccer. Yeah, you're, you're, that's like you kind of need to be holding back a little bit still. So you, for the fourth quarter, you can yeah. really amp it yeah. up. Yeah. Like soccer is like two halves. Yeah. So it's not... Football is four other, quarters. I'm thinking about other no goalies. Goalie. Also, yes, that and that whole sentence, because even saying tide game rivalry, I was like, no sports fan yeah. says that. I got the distinct impression that Ben Gibbard doesn't know really anything follow. about sports, yeah. but maybe he, I think he actually does. Like when I was reading about him, I think he's like very into Seattle sports. Okay. So it made it even weirder to me that this was a lyric that, that, is funny. that made it all the way in through this song. <laughs> but can't you see the song like really like hitting people deep at certain times in their lives. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it hit me deep for where I was. And for the people that remember this from a relational standpoint and breakup standpoint, this is the song. Yeah. Voicing the emotions, even if it's kind of ridiculous at times. You would listen to this now and think, that's stupid. But if you're in the midst of a breakup and you hear this, you know, you're like, ah, this is kind of giving voice to the desperation I feel about wanting this person back. And even the complexity of... Because oftentimes it is this guy who's trying to get her back after screwing it up, Mm. you know, Mm. and then she's torn between that. But also like, I respect myself and I'm not going to continue on. You promise you're going to make it better. And he's like, no, but really, I promise, you know, which is basically like every high school relationship. I remember uh, actually identifying with the girl more Uh in this because uh, the place I was at the time had had a relationship where there was a breakup and... I felt like I had to explain why it was a bad relationship yeah. repeatedly to kind of keep some distance. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, the you know the person that I had broken up with was not okay with it. Uh-huh. And I, I appreciated that a lot about this song because it meant kind of just gave voice to, you know, the other side of the yeah. coin, not the mopey side, but mm-hmm. the, what are you talking about? This is, this wasn't as good as you're making it out to be. But. And I think that had they only written a song from the perspective of, the logic side. It wouldn't be interesting. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I love this video game. Take you far from the cynics in this town. 
he's really idealistic throughout the album. But even as he's writing, it's I'll be the phonograph that plays your favorite albums as you're lying there drifting off to sleep. I'll be your winter coat, button and zip straight to the throat with the collar up so you won't catch cold. I just like the sort of care. And then he's like, I just want to take you from the cynics of this town. Let's go start a brand new colony. Again, idealistic, but eyes on her. This is the most important thing is this relationship. And and I want to take you far from here. And we'll we'll start anew away from the cynicism Mm -hmm. of it all. I think for a long time, I... uh because of the kind of video game 8-bit sound nature mm-hmm. to introduce the song, which I was very fond of mm-hmm. growing up playing you know, early Nintendo games. Oh, yeah. that, that sound is just, it strikes a really appealing chord to me. It's Mario Brothers, right? I mean, that's what it reminds me of. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of games that use that soundscape, but it was uh, Super Mario was where a lot of that was introduced. Yep. That combined with just the phrase brand new colony mm-hmm. for a long time, I just assumed the song was like some sort of intergalactic, we're going to colonize a new planet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was a love song. Yeah. I, I just was like, oh yeah, he's talking about stuff, but they're just going to go form a new colony somewhere else. Yeah, not for any love purposes, but for, you know. Human race survival yes. kind of <laughs> needs. <laughs> to get away from the zombies probably. Yeah. 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 I like that he says, I'll be the water wings that save you. <laughs> water <laughs> wings? That's it? Is he calling her like a baby or yeah. is she making well, fun that she can't swim? It's got to be the first time and maybe the only time water wings has been used in a song, right? Probably. <laughs> I love it. Also, water wings are, they're out of style. They're out of acceptance. Yeah, puddle oh, jumpers and stuff are yeah. more the way to go these days. Yeah, the just, lifeguards will poo-poo on the water wings <laughs> if you bring your kids with them. Well, this was 2003. We were more lax with our kid safety that's true 17 years ago yeah yeah so yeah, i do like that in that first verse where he just says i'll be the fire escape that's bolted to the ancient brick where you'll sit and contemplate your day and to me that again that sounds very i don't know being on this side of life that seems very idealistically oh man it'd be great to have time to just sit on a fire escape and you know new york or seattle or whatever and just contemplate your day like that mm-hmm. seems so foreign to me to have that that leisure of time to, right to just do something like that but that also paints a picture of again youth and I- idealistic times of mm-hmm. you've got the luxury of, of time to do that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but at a certain point in your life i wonder if he visited his girlfriend in dc and she's like see it has a fire escape he's like i'll be that fire escape <laughs> just sit there and while you contemplate your day she's like Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to go to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's chips in the pantry. <laughs> moving on, our apartment also has a pool. I'll be the water wings <laughs> that save you if you go drowning. She's like, oh my gosh. God. Uh, we have a bathroom. Never mind. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we do with each epipod is if you had to remove a song, what would it be? And so, JM, we'll start with you. Ben Gibbard is knocking at your door and he needs a place to crash and mourn for a few days Mm. while he gets over this breakup. And you've got to let him in and let him crash there unless you take a song off of Give Up. So which would it be? This is actually pretty easy because I did do this. I burned a version of this that was what I listened to for the vast majority of time, (laughs) which was all of the songs except for one. And that was uh, Natural Anthem. The one that basically doesn't have lyrics yep. and it's just a bunch of digital sounds and it's it's too different. It doesn't feel to me like it fits as well with the rest of the album. Yep. And regrettably, 
so I think, um, you know, maybe there's more to it that I'm just not getting. But for me, I never felt that song well. I'll just jump in and say that's mine as well, especially when I listen to the end of Brand New Colony. It ends so nice. That's such a great way to end this relational album where he, he basically says, hey, we're going to go off and start this Brand New Colony. Yeah. Matt, what about you? For me, actually, it's, it's sleeping in. it seems like a slight departure i mean it's still moby and it's still wistful and and uh, all that but uh to me it seems like a slight detour from the wistfulness for you know the one that got away okay so this album we really enjoyed talking about uh, we did not even get to the fact that they were sued by the u.s postal service that they had to end up putting something on their CDs about approval by the U.S. Postal Service. And they were forced to go perform at a corporate gathering of the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> That's so USPS to I do know. that. Jeez. Yeah. And it sounded like a really awkward press conference that they were in to perform to people who had sat through eight hours of corporate presentations. Oh and then they come up and do two songs while they're all still sitting down. So the price that they pay to keep this name, they really pay their dues. So look that up. We didn't have time to go over that, but look that up. This album was a lot of fun. JM, thank you so much mm-hmm. for being on here today. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I feel privileged just to be able to review this particular album. I feel like you know some of the stuff we've touched on speaks to the fact that you know my kids enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I don't know anybody who listens to this and says, like, I dislike this mm-hmm. album yeah everyone seems to have something they really enjoy about it and the fact that i got to review it with you guys feels pretty special so thanks thanks yeah, man thank you yeah i mean uh, this is this is one like i said i did not know so it's been fun to listen to it and and yeah i want to play with my kids i think i think my daughters especially would enjoy this because i think it's catchy and it's interesting and and i think it's along the lines of stuff they're already listening to but i think lyrically especially my 13 year old would probably be like this is hidden deep yeah so. All right. You could follow us at Finest Work Songs on Instagram and Facebook. And we've got a lot more epipods coming up. But until then, thanks for listening to season two of Finest Work Songs. It's 2020. And so we'll see you next time when we drop, drop the, the deuce. deuce.